Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. What is it like to go from the online marketing industry into making metaverses simple and easy for the everyday person? Well, on today's podcast, I have Tom Cassano, and he is the founder of Deep, the easiest way to build a world in the metaverse. Deep is a no-code platform that provides simple tools to build virtual worlds. Tom founded Deep with his vision of billions of user-generated virtual worlds built by regular people, openly shared and visited by everyone. So without any delay, I'd like to welcome Tom. What's up, Dylan? Hey. How's it going? <laughs> hey, buddy. It's good to see you, man. It's a... Yeah. Uh, it, it's been a, a hot minute, you know. Um, I'm excited to to wrap with you about this. Um, we got introduced by a mutual friend, uh, and uh, and you know he's like, hey, you guys are both into VR. You should chat. And so we had a a good conversation, um, which I think is really interesting because you know I'm in the space getting into marketing and online and communication and stuff like that after spending like a decade in the VR space. And you have a bit of a different background, kind of like ships passing in the night, coming from the online marketing space into the whole virtual world building space. Can you uh, talk to me just a little bit about your journey that kind of led you into building deep? Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't realize we actually flipped sort of uh, our, our areas of focus to a degree. Um, yeah, so I mean, I had wanted to build a software um, an app or get into SaaS back in like 2013, 2014. And our mutual friend, Dane Maxwell, who introduced us, he was actually like my mentor, my guru at that time. And at that time, I wound up building a lead generation website for life coaches. Uh, and while I was doing that, I had to learn SEO. Um, and I wound up creating an agency there, which was a better business model and, and more uh, lucrative path uh, as a business. And then um, once I was able to step away from that business, um, I'd gone down the path of um, trying uh, a couple of years ago to submit a concept document to Oculus at the time, which was how they took pitches for new apps to go on their platform. Uh, it got shot down pretty quickly and there wasn't a whole lot to do there. And then um, at that time, um, I had wanted to actually make my own uh, virtual world, build my own. You know, I like to create, I like to build things like you, right? So I wanted to make my own beautiful sunset sky, make my own world and I couldn't. There was no way. It's like all, you know, games on Oculus. Uh, an Oculus store. And so um, I put my headset on again like six months ago because I it basically sat on the shelf for quite a while because I just, I'm not a gamer. I just wasn't, you know, didn't have a whole lot to do in VR. Mm. Uh, and I realized that like this thing I wanted just still wasn't there. And Oculus changed the way that you could submit an app. So now they have App Lab. So any developer can follow some kind of like basic requirements, submit an app, get it into App Lab, which is sort of like the, uh, before you go into the Oculus store. So we had that opportunity, I, I decided, you know, with Facebook changing their name to Meta, uh, you know, the Quest 2 being way more, you know, performant and lighter weight and all that stuff. And just seeing where things are going and what I believe is the inevitable future, I was like, this is it. Like, now is the time. I'm going all in. So, uh, yeah, it was six months ago. And, uh, you know, we started building, you know, started prototyping, like, let's start building an app in VR. Uh, mm -hmm. I tried to learn Unity, uh, you know, some time ago, and I just yeah. did not get very far. I'm not a programmer. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I don't know what I'm doing. Like someone else, please help do this. That's, that's awesome, man. It's quite the journey. And, and it's, it's, it's an amazing time to get into it. Right. Like, so, because right now it's so, 
you know, like if this was like three years ago, there'd barely be any headsets out, right? And right now the Quest did almost goes like 15 million headsets of the Q of the Quest 2 headset out there. And so you step in the right place, right time, but there's still that need because you're right. It is a little overwhelming uh, trying to get inside Unity if you haven't done it before. You know, I've, I had multiple cracks at the bat of trying to like get in and go how do you there's so much you can do because you can specialize there's some multiple jobs and multiple positions just for unity of just trying to understand the space so i think that makes it I, I think a lot of value gets created at the inflection where you take something that's esoteric and difficult and then you make it available to the masses right be your own doctor be your own dentist build your own worlds and i think to me it's a really interesting value spot that you, you that you've gone into which is making that no code programming for anybody to build worlds um can you talk to me just a little bit about like i don't know some like the what i would call threshold guardians along the journey what were things i mean you you went through you've built a business you've been able to get up and running what were some unexpected things that have kind of hit you up along the way yeah, uh, I don't, first of all, tell me what a threshold guardian is. I guess. Like oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I just yeah, waste your time in the hero's okay. journey philosophy. So, like, as you go yeah. around the journey, there's usually yeah. like you have this goal you want to get, but there's things that stop you along the way. There's something that prevents yeah. you. And it's generally when you start to go out and you're like, oh, I'm going to go climb that mountain. And all of a sudden, something kicks the crap out of you. And you're like, oh, that was terrible. And you're like, I have to go that far. That's a threshold guardian that tests you. That's like, yeah. do you really, are you really committed? I know you. this was a great idea in the back of your head at two in the morning when you woke up and you said, oh, I got a good idea. <laughs> what about now? You know, uh, so that's what I mean by. Yeah, no, totally. And you're an entrepreneur, so you fully get this. Yeah. I mean, I feel like more of a hardcore entrepreneur now than I was back, you know, earlier on. Like I'd always, yeah. uh, I tried a couple of like small businesses in the past and kind of flopped and didn't really go anywhere. Um, even with my, my first kind of more real startup, um, it had some long periods of nothingness, you know, like, uh, this is back, you know, eight years ago, it was like, just to get to $500 a month of revenue was like, you know, way too long and way too hard. Right. Um, mm -hmm. so it, there's definitely elements of it that are a grind and it's sort of like, you know, knowing that there's going to be pain and, and, uh, disappointments and maybe even long periods of hopelessness. But for me, that's the exciting part now because I know about that. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's a couple ways to look at it. Like one way is, you know, there's, there's the idea of like failure. Like it's going to fail, it's not going to work. What I've come to like learn is like, I think it's actually the willingness to continue, assuming like you have decent skill sets of what you need to be good at, you know, and you learn those things. And that's another thing I love about entrepreneurship is the learning, is the learning curve can be very steep. And that's exciting because you have the most opportunity for growth. And it's so, uh, there's so many different fields you're cutting across in a business that like you get to wear so many hats and do different things. So like, I never had a real job as an employee because I yeah. just could not do the same thing every day. And, you know, being not sure, like, look at us, you know, we're on a podcast, like, this is awesome. You know, this is yeah. fun. And this isn't your whole day is just like, you know, a part of the work that yeah. you do, but yeah, it gets, it gets, um, it gets rough out there, you know, and a lot of people like, it's good to have like support people around you to help you. Mm -hmm. It's good to learn uh, whether that's YouTube videos or books or just get inspired by other people built amazing things and, you know, like hustling and grinding and just, working hard and you know sometimes you're just doing things the wrong way until you learn from somebody else or like you know the the more like shortcut strategic or tactical approach that's like more direct for what you're trying to do right i'm learning that now with fundraising like i've, mm -hmm. I've never fundraised before I, I had a i bootstrapped my last uh two startups so like i'm in the i'm in the thick of it of like figuring out like talking with investors and having a pitch and it's like i'm failing all over the place but that's fun because every time i get a new iteration i'm like okay Maybe don't say that, or maybe, you mm -hmm. know, 
reframe the story in a different way. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's um, being ready for the disappointments and being ready for like the letdowns mm -hmm. and then just pushing through, but you have to want it badly enough too, right? So that's the thing that'll keep you going. Cause then you realize if you're ready to throw in the towel after like a few months, you're like, okay, how badly do I really want this? Because entrepreneurship looks like so glamorous nowadays, but the reality is it like sucks a lot of the time. It's hard work and it's, yeah. you know, nobody really cares other than you in the early days. <laughs> I'm scared about that too. I like how you just like, you're like, there's, it's like loneliness and despair and this, and it's like, yeah, but I love it. I think it's great. It's, it's, it's there's yeah. this, it's, and it's also, there's, it's less painful. I think the fear of the unknown of what happens when this thing happens, right? That, that, that makes you really like, you could be terrified. But then once you go through that period of setback and what happens, I remember my first year in entrepreneurship, like decades ago, I was like, oh, what happens if the RS like takes all my money in that first year is like decades ago. And I didn't make anything, so I didn't really take anything, but I was this huge stress ball. And I, yeah. and I reflected back and I was like, why am I stressing? There's no literal reason to stress out. But you, but what's great about it is like you, you're talking about this needing to do different things every day as a, as a, because the journey takes you where you need to go and you got, and you've got to make your way. You got to, you got to figure it out. Either you got to hire the skills or you got to be the skills or you got to, you got to fund the thing or you got to get the monies or whatever, whatever it is that you're, you have to make something happen versus clock in, clock out, you know, cog in the wheel kind of thing. But along your yeah. journey, you're talking about, you said that you're failing all over the place. Do you have a specific time or a certain thing you can think of where you kind of got your butt kicked along this way, uh, whether it was with raising money or with doing a thing or whatever it might be? Yeah. And sorry, just two things that came to mind yeah. as, as you were talking. One is like the power of focus is so powerful because you realize mm. like, even if you're working eight hours a day, but like, did you really focus on the thing, like the highest leverage point? Then like, oh, like you get a message on LinkedIn or like you're responding to email, but that's really important. And then the other thing is limiting beliefs. And like, I realize these when I'm like, my mindset is not right or I'm kind of afraid or like, why am I not just like out there? Like if it's sales, you know, like, why am I not picking up the phone and cold calling, it's like, well, everyone, a lot of people kind of have that similar sort of like fear of rejection thing, right? That's really yeah. exciting to get over. Um, but um, in terms of, yeah, I mean, for me, in terms of those failure parts, yeah. they're not like discrete failures, like your business is over, you're bankrupt sort of thing. I mean, those scenarios can happen, right? Um, but I like to take an approach of like building up a runway or having, you know, when I started my first business, I was basically um, doing it part-time, you know, moonlighting while I had my sort of day job. Right. And then mm -hmm. when I started my second one, I started consulting. So there's no cost for consulting. You just start charging a dollar amount per hour. So you're selling your time and just, then it's the, okay. Now the, the challenge is how do we get clients? Right. And then it sucks. Cause like, man, I got like only one client, you know, or two clients, but you want to get like, fill up your roster. Um, so those are just kind of challenges that you just keep, yeah. um, yeah, it's like, it sounds masochistic, like, and sort of having that pain, but that's sort of like feedback. It's sort of like learning. It's sort of like a game, right? Your, your thing, a lot of this is like a game and like mm -hmm. business is actually this really cool game where like, okay, like, you know, you lost yesterday, like you didn't close that sales deal or you didn't, you know, generate many leads. Like how do I up my game for mm -hmm. today and for next month and all that stuff. Um, but most of the sort of what people would think as, of as like a failure or a setback, um, I mean, you know, there's the cliche, it's like a, an opportunity for learning. But for me, it's more of like a disappointment where I had an expectation and my expectations and optimism is always way higher than it is in reality, right? Like for me, I'm like, oh yeah, we're gonna just like create a VR app. It'll be awesome and people love it. It'd be so cool and easy. And then, yep. you know, you just, 
right? You, you, you realize very quickly, like, oh, it's taking way longer. Like, we have all these bugs and like we have all these problems and, you know, people hate this. Like, we have to fix it. But that's, that's again, that's fun for me, but it's reframed, yeah. right? Early on, I'd be lying. Like, you know, when I started in the, my entrepreneurship journey, like, it sucked all the time, you know? And it's not like fun, like, oh, yeah, I'm quote unquote learning. Like, no, this sucks. Like, I want to, you know, be successful or make money or whatever it is. And so, um, yeah, it does suck. It's like, but I don't know. There's something kind of exhilarating about that part of it. Yeah. Now, it wasn't then. <laughs> yeah, there's that. There's that managing that. If you look at that, like, um, you know, the flow zone, right? Like yeah. made by me high, me chest me high kind of thing. And but you're like, you're at that in the when you first start out entrepreneurship, it's like a steep flight upwards. You're like, oh, this is too overwhelming, and then you kind of get bored and you're kind of moving along that path. But you're you're right. It is a game. It can be, and but also it's something that you can either in you know unintuitively do it or it's something that you have to do it as a survival mechanism <laughs> a part of entrepreneurship of going look this is going to be hard in order for me to get through this and enjoy this that you have to be able to master your reframes and and be able to actually take it as a game like right now when you're talking about that and i love looking at it for, as a game like what do you think are some of the core skill sets that you are currently developing or needing to develop um, um while shifting to the space of developing this app Oh, um, you know, a, a heavy part of my experience, I mean, even before entrepreneurship, I was trading on Wall Street for like 10 years. But, uh -huh. you know, there, there are a lot of things that carry over from your past experiences. Um, so for me personally now, like I mentioned, fundraising is a uh -huh. thing. Our folk main focus is on re user retention. And so, you know, you might think you know something until you're really trying to do it. And you're it, these are like all little experiments sort of like, OK, we spent like two weeks or a month doing this stuff because we're pretty confident. And I think a lot of this actually comes from some level of overconfidence um, where like, you I think I can do something. It's like, cool, like I, I'm capable, I can do that. And you go out and do it. And then you realize like, wow, like you're, it's very humbling. Like I really sucked at that. Let me get up and try again. And you try again and it sucks. So yeah, like in, in what I'm curr currently doing now uh -huh. uh, in, you know, at Deep uh, for our no code platform to build worlds in the metaverse is, um, you know, user retention is our core focus right now. And I have been thinking like, oh, I'm pretty good at that. But as you get user feedback and you really go deeper and deeper, I'm like, huh, okay, like we really need to work on this. And it's still a hypothesis. Like users have told us this, we know this, let's try this. And we'll try it for a month or a few months. And then we measure again, like are users staying longer? Are there more users staying? Longer? So, um, you know, I'm definitely learning more about retention um, and fundraising, like I mentioned, right? Like I've, you know, I've, oh, how hard could it be to raise some money for a startup? You know, people like, you see in TechCrunch, like, oh, they raise like millions of dollars. Like, cool, I'll just do that too. And then you realize like, oh, wow, I really need to learn more of the art and the science and, uh, you know, learn about it from others and, and follow maybe more of a proven process or, you know, figure out where are my weaknesses that I need to shore up so that things fall into place. I, I love it. Yeah, it's a completely different skill set. I mean, there are some people that all they do is raise capital and that's their that's their main thing. And then and there's it's, it's similar, but a different skill set. It's like telling narrative on paper versus on movies versus in VR. It's the same kind of skill set. It's just it's just tweaked done a bit differently, which is um, which is always fun to learn um, on, on the fly as you go through all that. Um, how have you like in terms of uh, well, so one thing I want to talk about is these analytics, right? And you're talking about because you obviously online marketing analytics. What do you currently do you look to see what you're measuring inside of the game? Are you like what are the analytics that you're currently paying attention to? Yeah, so. Uh, in the past, I'd use mixed. I've used Google Analytics and Mixpanel. Uh, you know, Google Analytics I know well, well Mixpanel um, a little bit. So I was using the um, the built-in Oculus dashboard has their own analytics, um, mm -hmm. but there's not really flexibility or customizability. It's just sort of what's there, and you have to 
like it or not. Uh, and then we installed Unity Analytics, which is a very simple like sort of SDK to set up. Uh, and then those two are conflicting a lot. And I'd always wanted to know uh, more like individual sessions. Um, you know, this user came, stayed for like 45 minutes and did these actions. So we just installed Mixpanel. Um, and yeah, the the main thing that, um, you know, I've learned as I've just listened to a lot about like building a sticky product and a successful one that has, you know, large numbers of users is the retention curve. You know, after seven days, the people who open the app, you know, uh, if people open the app today and they don't open it tomorrow, right, then your user retention goes to zero, right? So how do you get people to open the app a week from now, a month from now, and on and on? So that's sort of the main focus because then that drives mm -hmm. the monthly active users, right? And when you look yeah. at very successful services, whatever they are, they have large amounts of monthly active users. So that's sort of like the name of the game. Yeah. yeah. If you if you look at it as like a funnel, right, in terms of funneling, um, every time you, you pass one threshold, you graduate to the next threshold. Um, the thing at the top is the ma, right, which is the monthly active users, right? The thing is, when you first start out, you should, it's going to be zero. And then, and then you want to get two or three. And then, you know, but if you can graduate to that, then you can start to get a, a number for your daily your, your, your DAO, I think, is, is daily active users. Right. And then you're going to go down to what's what, what you really want are those concurrent users. Right, is having a concurrent uh, issue. I think you know, using um, like Photon or whatever, you can have X amount of users concurrently out the gate. Um, but you really want to try to get that up to a certain amount. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who who runs uh, 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 one of the the VR metaverses, and he said on the weekends they get fifty thousand concurrent users um, on the weekends inside the DG game, and that that to me is such huge numbers, right? Of figuring out, but at some point, but I remember him coming to my hackathons back in the day, paying $200 for pizza to get people to try to actually build on his SDK, um, which was, um, you know, uh, and, and try to build that out. And so, which was crazy about that, but you see that he had to start somewhere and you have to start somewhere getting these, these numbers. And so where have you currently done some efforts to try to um, groundswell the engagement with the platform? Yeah, I mean, I'm super inspired by the story of Slack. And there's um, there's a great article. I think it's by First Round Capital, and we can link mm -hmm. to it. But basically, the story of Slack, as I understood that, was like they were so attentive and tuned into users, what they wanted, their feedback, what they loved, what they hated, and their ultimate goal, all that stuff. That you know, the story of Slack is I don't know if it's in six months or twelve months, but like they're they get that hockey stick very quick and and very like. They nailed it. And just from there, it was like a never ending story of Slack just yeah. taking off. And so uh, I, I'm just staying true to that process. So we've done um, 50 uh, user tests um, and I, you know, I used to do them live. Uh, now I'm doing them uh, like people just recording their sessions. And it's great when you get these like little subtle things, like someone's size, like, ah, oh. <laughs> you know, like, they didn't tell you in words, but you know, like you have to figure That's out funny. like more you know, like sense, like what's going on? Like they're frustrated. Why? Like, where are we, you know, you, you watch them try to do something and they're just like over and over, like keep making the same yeah. mistake because something in the UI. So, you know, it's little learnings like that. And um, the philosophy I'm using is like, you know, finding their points of frustration and removing those, right? So you're removing friction and also finding their times when they're kind of confused and trying to create clarity. Uh, but then the main thing is, you know, finding what they're loving or what they're delighted about and doing mm -hmm. more of that. So like I noticed, you know, on this recent batch of beta tests, people just love throwing things in our world. And it's so stupid. Like I would never think that, right? Like, why would I think, but I mean, it just turns out, you know, if you could make a bunch of 
goofy objects in your world and throw them all around. Like that's kind of fun in a way. So I've been thinking about that more. Like how do we, you know, inspire more throwing? Like I'm thinking of building a world where you just throw stuff everywhere because that's fun. You know, it's ridiculous, but um, you, but people you love learn it. so much more. Yeah. People love it. Like I'm going to tell you is people love throwing shit and especially people love throwing shit at other people. Like they're a huge <laughs> fan. Like, Back in the day, we did this activation for Reka Vodka, where it's Iceland, it's a, it's a vodka company, and we did this thing where you could, we recreated Iceland, because they said, once you go to Iceland, you fall in love with their vodka. So they, they multiplayer raced through Iceland, climbing across, you know, glass caves, swimming past whales, and also to land on top of a mountain, and then they make a Moscow mule. And they chug it. And the first person that actually climbed the mountain, mixed the drink and chug it wins. And we did this for a marketing activation. People just ended up throwing their cups at each other. They had more fun. <laughs> this is gorgeous, beautiful life. There's amazing, super interactive competition. People are like, I can just, I can just, I should just keep throwing shit at you. And that was just, but that's what they do, man. And, but you, you want to kind of, you, you lean into that and you kind of figure out where's, where's the magic, dude. And that's why I love when you talk about like them sign or them giggling or them whatever. Um, when you're, when you're seeing them doing that, are you looking at them through a screen, like on like, and like, uh, like a zoom recording or how are you like, how are you doing the play tests? Yeah, first it was very complicated, especially even before on app lab. Cause like I had to explain to people how to sideload this, like download side quest, download this APK, you know, install it onto your headset. Then, you know, you're going to like have to cast to your computer screen. And then we're going to have to do a Zoom call where you share your screen. It was like so much setup and such a nightmare, right? Eventually, once we got into App Lab, that was a little bit easier because now you can just install and, you know, cast to your computer and share on Zoom. And then um, actually, I'll give a shout out to VR Oxygen because um, they're amazing. And basically, you know, now they'll just give instructions. They have beta testers and uh, they just give, you know, people just record in their headset what they're doing for, you know, 30 minutes or whatever. And then they'll send the video, they'll fill out a form. And all of that is so instructive. I go through that whole video. I basically go through every area where they were like frustrated or loved something or had some form of feedback. Then I take all of that across all of these users and I put it all into a database and Airtable. And then I start validating, right? Cause you get that one user who tells you something so passionate, like, oh yeah, that's it, we gotta do that. And then you realize after 10 tests, like that was the only person that said that. <laughs> the other nine people did not care about that thing. But then you just find these like very obvious things more like analytically, more quantitatively, like, you know, the same things keep coming up for us over and over. It's like, we want more interactable objects. We don't want to be in a static world, you know, or we want more animated NPCs of like animals and things moving around. Like I hear that so much. It's kind of almost annoying. It's like, guys, let's just focus on building more of this stuff because we've heard it so many times, but it's mm. super helpful to have uh, it validated across all these people and then synthesize it into how do we um, how do we implement this? You know, what's the development task? You know, we actually just removed a, a thing I thought was going to be smart, and apparently it just confused people. It was like a settings for how you instantiate an object, and like people just got confused and didn't use that. So I talk about this stuff all day. It's it's kind of interesting. I love it. No, actually, it's really helpful, and also it's like some of the best <clears throat> user testing, like you know. Back in my day, you, you, you had to go to an event or a place where the people were, right, when you had to, like, get started. But right now, like, being able to have them hit record in their headset and share it inside of there is, is super helpful. We did experiment for a little bit. Like, you can create your own Facebook group. And inside your Facebook group, you can add the people ability to share inside of the Oculus headset into that Facebook group. So you can have a private Facebook group where you're capturing all of the recordings that people are just dumping inside of there. 
Um, we did that for a while, but a lot of people use Discord more than they use Facebook. The only thing is, is that the Facebook sharing only is allowed uh, to a Facebook group. Uh, I don't think that I know if you can directly share to Discord. Exactly. Yeah. It's like in our case, they have to like, they're saving it to their device. Then they have to like, you know, I don't know if they're More doing friction. it always through side quests or whatever. Right. Yeah. Facebook yeah. has a nice integration. And yeah, I've never been yeah. like a Discord user. I've always been a Slack user. But now everybody's, you know, like from a gaming perspective, like the whole, everything's on Discord. So it's taking me time, more learning curve. Like, all right, like, how do I set up a server? Like, what am I doing here? Yeah. But that's again, yeah. the fun of like learning some new stuff. We, and especially get into the space when you, when you, when you, when you get into the industry, you really start to know everybody in the space. You see other common people and things like that. And it's a, it's a beautiful, wonderful kind of community vibe. Um, and yeah, you got it. Yes. You got it. You, you can't, you can't be like, Hey, come over here. I need you to send me a telegram, you know, like you gotta like, <laughs> they, they just doesn't, you gotta meet the communities where they are. Um, so what are some other like, I don't know, like identity shifts or, or things that you've noticed that you've had to adopt um, from going into the VR space, like, like learning discord. Yeah. I mean, something that comes to mind when you mention like identity shifter sort of, um, so I've worked with developers for the last like eight years or so. Um, mm -hmm. And I, you know, this time around, right, for uh, what we're building, I've come to learn that I've had an easier time working with senior developers who just kind of get it and understand stuff. Because when I work with junior developers, there's bugs and then I have to like re-explain things. You know, you want somebody who just like, kind of understands what you're saying, they can do it, they'll test it themselves and, and do it really good. So. Um, I came in with, and actually, I, you know, my last uh, startup, the culture is like super important, right? And it's very like loving, warm, like fuzzy environment, right? And for this startup, I thought like, and I never told this to people. I was just like, this is kind of an experiment for me. I thought, you know, Elon Musk is like so hard. You know, it's like, a, mm. he just seems like so brutal about like the way he approaches like employees stuff. Like maybe I'll take that approach, you know? And, and I, I thought of, I, this is like so ridiculous. Like it's so bad. I was like, you know, maybe the kind of people I'm looking for are these like hardcore, like Navy SEAL types, you know, like they'll just endure any pain and like work all night. And like, that's who I want, you know? And it's funny because that was just totally wrong. And you know, it, <laughs> little, you know, surprise, surprise. Right. But like, yeah. I, I kind of thought, you know, maybe that's the approach. And, you know, we've a mission, like things like that, like having a purpose bigger than like, we're making an app or trying to make money. I mean, it's got to be something meaningful and powerful that will, it's very attractive um, to uh, building a team and building a, a culture. Um, but I've come to realize, you know, I've been trying to find the right metaphor for like a, an amazing developer, right? Because that makes just life easier and the product is better. And I think it's, I came to this thing of like a wizard, but it doesn't really help because it's like magic. But I don't really know like how the magic is made. Like, what is it about, you know? So, but I mean, there's elements in there like they have good experience and skills. You're going to say something about that. Oh, well, just say, no, just around the idea of, I, I totally agree. I think it is, it's a modern day magic. It's, you have the ability to literally create worlds. You can create interactable objects. You can literally create something from nothing. And you basically turn yourself into a God with the ability to write code inside of there. And so you put a, a high quality senior developer with an amazing artist and, you know, yeah. it literally is world creation at your fingertips. Uh, it, it's just at the same time, you know, the, the things I feel about like, you know, being that um, Elon Musk is, is you need to know how to cook in your own kitchen. Uh, and so unless you understand how the codes works and at least in some capacity, it's very difficult for Gordon Ramsay, who, you know, if you can't make the food, 
you know, talk shit, uh, which then it becomes a very, that's a different relationship. Um, but yeah, generally if you, if you're all hard assed on a bunch of developers, <laughs> they'd be like, Hey, uh, how about you go fuck yourself? You know, how about yeah, that? yeah. How about, no, yeah. It, but, it, it, well, it, and in the past I was, you know, in his past project, I was beholden to like one developer. Right. And when yeah. that guy was like, you know, sorry, I had a baby. I'll see you in a month or two. So now <laughs> I, I wanted no. to, I wanted to basically have like, you know, a sense of redundancy, right. Where if a programmer puts tomorrow, we're good. And so not, yeah. I, I don't take that sort of approach. Like you can't be a jerk to them, you know, and no, there are things outside no. of their control or bugs that you have to be like understanding and try to, I'm not a programmer. So that's my, my sort of my weakness. But my point I was trying to get to was I've had to change my mindset in trying yeah. to find and hire uh, what is a quote unquote great developer is yeah. like very hard to define. It's kind of, I find it hard to exactly interview for, but I get like little signals. And then once we do like the first like two weeks or the first little project together, then you know, I hear from the other developers, like, I'm always trying to get feedback from them amongst themselves. Like, so, you know, was this code good? Or I could just see for myself, this guy made a pull request yeah. and it was kind of like sent back, like fix this and that and this and that. And it's like, becomes very clear, right? Or you yeah. give instructions once and like, does it sort of get implemented in a like great way? Or is like, there's a bug here and you didn't read that part. And I guess you maybe, I don't know if you weren't able to do this thing or you did. Anyway, that's my point is like, I've had to change my mindset on like, how do I find great developers? Yeah, and we don't know. I mean, well, the thing is, you're talking about this. You're talking about fails and learnings, right? Yeah. And these, are yeah. Just, these, are, these are lessons that you try things out when you when you try to run a team in the beginning, right? You're just like you don't know because like you're like there's there's things you've got to be able to communicate, right? You have to be able to inspire them. And there is a fantasy of just just do what I say. Come on, do it now. But there is a but you need to have that collaboration. But you need to have a direction and, and purpose. Is that there's a lot to it that we're trying to like this. You, you are co-creating this this wizard reality thing. You've got to get everybody kind of move together. And so if one part of it is it is the the having the vision. The other one's the communication with the team and find the right people and and knowing if it's bullshit or not, right? Knowing if they're and what are, who know what they're what they're doing. Um, and that's a that's a that is a that's a challenge in of itself. But like, what? Let me ask you, what advice would you give to people that are just starting out with new team members that are like, you know, they have you know. A couple of developers what would you say to them like lessons learned um yeah i mean i think generally like with any you know any new person you're hiring or working with i mean i just what's worked well for me you know like typically i'll find people on upwork or freelancers or people who are more of uh independent um contractors and mm -hmm. that way we're kind of just doing like small like experiments like oh let's you know start working together maybe it's 10 or 20 hours whatever just see how it goes um and so because, you know, I feel like if I was like to hire a full-time employee day one, we've never worked together. I really don't know how you're going to work, what's your deliverables, how's our communication, all that jazz until we get into it. Right. So I just, the thing that works well for me is just trial and error. Right. Like mm -hmm. I think um, since we started deep six months ago, I think I've hired, I don't know, maybe a dozen, maybe 12 or 13. I don't really know the number of programmers. And currently we have like six or seven and, and those have been, better for us than the you know the, the programmers just wasn't the right fit or didn't work out or maybe their expertise was in sort of a different area or you know and there's probably great projects for them right it wasn't the right for, one for them um but it is trial and error i mean we you know like i'm telling you like this one guy we hired and i was like this guy seems great he sounds good you know it's gonna be awesome and then the first pull request that came in it was like whoa there's like lots of issues in this go for my <laughs> other developers i heard you know so it's like didn't take long to find that out yeah, but that's good though, and it's good to like you know hire on and then test out and be really like willing to let go of people. And there's a bunch of reasons 
to let go, right? And and whether it's personality or culture or, or code or whatever it might be, but it's cool that you've been able to kind of build that out and take a take a look at that to kind of see what what jives with you. Um, and in terms of like, you know, beyond just like um, you said, you know, you know, making a billion dollar company, you said that, that people want more, right? One of the best quotes I've ever heard around that is, people want to work on projects they're proud of with people they like and get paid well for it. And that's kind of like those buckets, if you can hit it. Um, have you heard of Jesse Shell? I don't know if mentioned that. Yes. Yeah, he was in, yeah. you interviewed him here on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's one of the things that's that's like one of their their statements that they have. And I go, it's so beautiful because it's like, yes, it's okay. It's like if you can hit that for your team members, they're like, Yes, I I I like these people, I like this pay, I'm proud of the project, let's go. You know. Um, have you have, yeah. how do you have you tried uh talk to your team about this kind of stuff or um uh, you know, I've learned this the most from Simon Sinek. Uh, he is a, I, at the time it was like the third most watched Ted talk called start with why. Uh, and then I had gone through, you know, I read his book, start with why. And then I also went through the process This is for my last business. Cool. Um, and the, the real driver for people is sort of this like intrinsic. I mean, maybe this is extrinsic. I don't know, but it's this motive. This is really purpose. Like purpose is the word, right? Because anyone can go to a job to make money and get money. But at some point in Maslow's hierarchy, once you are making the money you want or whatever, you can choose where you want to work, what you want to do. It's like, what drives you? Why are people, you know, and everyone sort of has a little bit different motivations of what drives them. So I'm always asking that, like in the uh, interview process, I'm trying to understand like, so what drives you, you know, and it's really interesting to hear those answers. And then, you know, as an entrepreneur or manager, whatever, you're always kind of, um, you know, whatever's most important to them, you're kind of like working on from that like perspective, like, oh, you love solving hard problems? Great, I got a very hard problem for you. <laughs> one of our guys, that's his thing, you know, and, he, and he's one of our best developers, right? Um, or maybe just, work, like you said, work to be proud of. Um, but having an overall mission that mm -hmm. is like real and genuine and authentic um, is such a motivator and it, it brings a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. And it also it aligns you because everyone's rowing in the same direction towards this, this greater uh, vision of what you have. Um, so it's a powerful thing, but you know, it has to be real. Uh, that, you know, you believe in it, you badly want it. Um, but yeah, there's this great, uh, Simon Sinek also had this uh, saying about, there was like two guys built, have you heard this before? There's like two guys building a wall, or sorry, two guys were like laying bricks, you know? And he asked like the first guy, like, what are you building? And the guy's like, I'm building a wall. And then he asked the other guy, like, okay, then what are you building? And the guy's like, I'm building a cathedral. You know, it was like, wow, like what a different perspective of just laying bricks, you know? Cause that's a very much could be a grind, you know? Yeah, for sure, dude. Humans are meaning-making machines, dude. We'll you just gotta like we're applying it to everything that we can. And like it's it's nice when you can but when you can when you can create that purpose and you can actually inspire people to get jazzed about it. Did, did you um and I love Simon Sinek? He's he's uh, uh I want that guy to read me like a bedtime story. Um Yeah, it's a know? great storyteller. Yeah, it's so it's so beautiful. Uh <laughs> don't put the bucket list. No, but like uh but looking at that from the perspective is um I do you have a mission with deep? Do you, can you, do you have the mission with it? I'm... Yeah. So our mission is to uh, make it easy for anyone to make their own virtual world. I mean, it's basically what we're doing, right? It, it's, yeah. it's sort of the bigger picture thing. We have sub goals and sub things under that, but it's like, you know, or there's different ways you can uh, say the same thing. It's like empowering humanity yeah. to build any, you know, 3d world that they can imagine. Like that's sort of, I think that uh, possibility and opportunity, it excites me. Like, as I'm talking about, it's like mm -hmm. that 
sounds really cool. I really want that in the world. And it's so I don't have to like fake it or lie or try to like get other people motivated. I, I want it. And, and then you start to attract other people who want that too. And they're like, yeah, I think that'd be cool. And it's helpful. Dude, for sure, for sure, man. Like the, it, it, I've never met a critic. Somebody said this and I don't, I'm, it's not, it's not for me. It's, I've never met a critic of VR who's tried it. It's like, I, so I've never met a critic of VR who's tried it. And to me, it's like when, when you try out VR for the first time and your mind is blown, right? Like I, when I tried out VR for the first time, it was the DK one, 2012, 14, somewhere around there. And I put it on and I tried out Zelda for the first time and someone stole all the graphics, cut out the graphics and had them be a pop-up, right? And they had all the Zelda music and everything. I'm sure they get completely sued these days, but this was, this was, <laughs> this was before, back in the day. And like, <laughs> I was like, I felt like I was Zelda and I was there and my mind was blown. I went down and I fought the giant dragon that looked like a pixelated duck and came out and I played for like an hour and I had like motion sickness and it was awful and wonderful and mind blown. I was like, Oh my God, this is incredible. And that's one of the things I was like, I want to get in this space. Cause it, cause you feel that passion because you know, like this is where we're going, right? The internet is kind of like the stopgap, and the VR is where we're going in the place of being into this world where you now can do say, be anything, anyone, anywhere, anytime, which is magic. Right. And so I, I totally agree with you on the, on the mission, the purpose and driving those things forward. Um, I was just curious, is, is there ways that you, um, so before I, I have a question, mind-blowing experience for you in VR. What's what's your mind? Did you have what's been a mind-blowing experience for you in VR? You know, I also like you. I also remember my first experience. It was like four years ago, and I just was at a, a demo tent by Oculus, and I put on the headset. And my expectations were very low. I never tried VR before, and I just could not believe that. Like wherever I turned my head to look, it was like I was in that place. You know, like that was mind-blowing for me. Um, so yeah, I mean the the possibilities of feeling like you're in a place uh -huh. i don't know i think you and i could geek out on this for a while because we're <laughs> really excited about it, right there's probably other people who try vr and like maybe they're not critics but they're kind of just like yeah i don't know like i don't see the point you know you get a lot of that right you get a lot of people who are like heretics yeah, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, here's the thing it's true but at the same time for the most part one of the greatest feelings is to be able to put the headset on somebody and go oh my god this is incredible they get that like yeah. wow wow sensation but then we you want to get into it we figure okay how, what can i bring in this world and i love world creation it's one of my if i had to pick any superpower they go well, what superpower could you have it's always like people go strength and flight and visibility. No, it's world creation, being able to create worlds. That's who wins. That's who wins, right? It was a poof, universe, right? So it's a, it's, I think it's a beautiful power, superpower to give to people. Um, for yourself, if, if you, uh, what do you consider your, as an entrepreneur, what do you consider your superpower to be? Um, you know, I, I think part of it is like a, a, a desire to learn, a curiosity, you know, not, mm -hmm. not only a willingness to learn, but like, I love to learn. My mom is like a, an educator. And so I just love to like, uh, it's exciting for me to, to learn new things. Uh, and I also have, um, you know, it's kind of funny because if you ask my parents, they would call it stubbornness, right? Or like my dad would say, like, my head is concrete, you know? And mm -hmm. if you ask my wife, she would say I could just hound people and just like <laughs> nag them to death or something, right? But in entrepreneurship, you know, what's the word for that? It's like not resilience, but it's like persistence, persistence. You know, and I'll just keep like banging my head against the wall and you know, hope you don't want to do things stupidly, right? You want to be strategic and thoughtful and tactical. But uh, I have a, um, a stubbornness that kind of is really persistence, which means I'm just not going to give up if I really want something. 
If I really want something really badly, I don't really care. I'm just going to keep going for it. And, you know, but then um, the interesting, the weird psychological thing is to kind of know when you're del like delusional or deluding yourself, right? And that's just never going to happen maybe. As opposed to the interesting thing about entrepreneurship is this, um, like you mentioned, like creation, right? And so like building a business, building these opportunities is an act of creation. And there's like this element of law of attraction or believing a thing, focusing on the thing, envisioning the thing, and then doing every day whatever actions you need to to create the thing. That is so powerful that I feel like most people just don't even know what I'm talking about. Or if they, they hear what I'm talking about, they're just kind of like, yeah, no, like wishing for things doesn't work. And it's not wishing, right? It's like it's like having clarity of vision, being focused on that, and then every day just doing those little mini goals to get to that thing is so powerful. Yeah, I mean, the, let's unpack just a little bit of that. One of the things being is this, is you're talking about perseverance, right? And I love it because I, one of the things I always said to an entrepreneur is like, I'm gonna bang my head against the wall of entrepreneurship until I either break the wall or my head cracks. My head's just, <laughs> yeah. one, of the, one of those two things are gonna happen. Right. Yeah. And so, and, I, <laughs> and so along the journey though, there, it's important though, and then, but also having an identity of, of that's what you're willing to do because that's part of the journey and that the, the love of learning totally resonate with you on that, on that same page as, as, as we talk about this like pathway of, of being an entrepreneur and there's this, there's a stubbornness in it, but it's also, there's a, there's a beauty in it because it kind of tests you and you feel more alive. I think when you're at the edge of being tested, like, I believe this is possible, but am I full of shit? <laughs> can I pull this off? Yes, right, I think I can, right? But, but, that, but you need to have that. You need to have enough craziness to where things, it's that prolific zone. Too too crazy and you're just crazy, right? But just at that edge of what's possible, but then willing to do whatever it takes. Uh, in the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell calls this the thousand unseen hands that guide you along the journey where doors open for you by you being on the path Right. So by you being on the path, all of these unseen hands kind of help you, which is crazy. Life does feel like the video game. I don't know if we're like actually in the matrix or not. You know, I don't really know if that's what happens, but I don't know for you if you've had experiences where like you talking about setting yourself on a goal. Here's my destination. And you just keep working the task and all of a sudden a door opens. You're like, ah, and you like jump onto the <laughs> and then somehow it creates it like perfectly lined up for you. Like, have you had that experiences where the, the unseen hands have helped you along the way or doors have opened up for you just by being on the path? Yeah. Yeah. I think looking back on it for sure. Um, you know, most of the time it's sort of like, it can come, you know, it depends on which area of uh, a startup or you're working in. Right. So if you're doing sales, you'll get lots of no's or rejection. Right. Or if you're trying to hire someone, you'll get a lot of like, eh, this person's not a good fit. That person's not a good fit, you know, or you're working on whatever. So, um, I feel like most of what I experience along the way is sort of, I wouldn't call them failures. I, I perhaps say like disappointments or, um, things not really working the way I expect them to, or I, I have a high mm. expectation or, you know, more ambitious goals. And it's like, Oh, if it's not happening like this month, like I'm going too slow or we're not doing it right. You know, but yeah. exactly what you're saying, opportunities appear when you have, I think the clarity and sort of those things, the, the belief, the vision uh, and the focus and the goals, and you're working every day at a thing. You just, you know, like here you and I are on this podcast, right? Like, things just sort of evolve, right? Um, or, you know, you, you meet, you know, I've had some good conversations with some investors who I'm like, wow, this this person is like almost the perfect fit. Like, how did we even find, you know, so it, it, it in a way it is a law of attraction or it is 
by just virtue of being um, focused or believing in what you're doing and moving forward. Yeah. Like for sure. Opportunities open and doors open. And yeah. Yeah. And, and what you're talking about too, on the whole thing of the, yeah, we got connected. We just got randomly connected and, and they said, Oh, and then I met you, you met me. I was like, Hey, how's it going? And it's like, Oh yeah, let's have a conversation. We had a good conversation, went on the podcast and now here we are. I do think it's interesting. Like life being a game is the, the progress from a strange stranger to become an acquaintance, acquaintance, becoming a friend and then just having people throughout your life. I think it's amazing to make friends along this journey of life uh, that we just somehow randomly get introduced to people with that then becomes so meaningful to us. Um, I think it's, I think it's a really interesting thing. Um, as for the investor side of things, I know you're currently like raising capital and, and doing things with that. Um, what are your, like right now, where are you currently at in that process? Where are you trying to get to? Um, and like, uh, what, like, what is that, what does that current process look like for you? Um, it's, it's just like I've been saying throughout this whole time, which is like, I sort of have my own goals or expectations uh -huh. and then I'll like learn some stuff and read about it and watch YouTube videos, whatever it says. I'm like, okay, I got it. Great. Uh -huh. You know? And so like the conventional wisdom is like, you start having these relations, you know, these conversations and relationships before you're in fundraising mode. And uh -huh. then once you have like a bunch of, you know, conversations you've had, people interested, you flip into fundraising mode and you're like, Hey, we're raising money. Then you raise, you know, like the way you're supposed to do it when you do it right or know what you're doing, because I've never done it before. <laughs> so you raise it all in like two weeks or six weeks or whatever it is. And, you know, there's competition among investors and there's real scarcity for them. And like, you know, and then and then that's it. You round this film. But like the reality for me has been nothing like that. Right. So like, you know, uh, I started going to fundraising mode uh, this month and, you know, we have like a first commitment. I have a handful of verbals, but it's not like, oh, just like raise around. It's like, oh, no, it's like a small check here and like, you know, probably some more small checks here and there. Uh, and that's okay. You know, that's, that's fun and that's interesting and exciting. So, um, you know, I, it's part of it is like confidence or maybe even like overconfidence or the stupidity to say like, I could do this. Like I could figure this out. How hard could it be? Right. Those are like famous last words. Cause then you're like, Oh man, it's like a thousand times. Like, not just fundraising anything. Right. Like how hard could it be to build it? Of course. Come on. You like, gotta do it. <laughs> But it's a it's it's such a it's such a transformational like like uh, uh, crutch that we use. It's like the tunnel is only this deep. It's miles deep. You're like, but it's just yeah. this deep. Like, yeah. There, as soon as yeah. I run through it, it'll be back out. It's not a problem. But you yeah. need to believe that. You need to right. Believe yes, that. they say because, you know if you knew how hard it was, you would never do it. Because but if you look, but the thing is like if you look back through time, it doesn't seem like that long of a time. Like for me to spend the last ten years in space or whatever, it doesn't seem that it doesn't seem that deep right now. But going through it, man, it is a journey. Yeah. It's a journey. Yeah. It's a it's a and so it's a little short on the backside going back through, right? Like you, yeah. So. Um, and well, by that's the way, why, that's what, yeah, sorry. Oh no, just, uh, just, uh, on the same note with the, with the whole investment thing, dude. And like how many, you're, I mean, you're doing a bit of the, the, the entrepreneurial dream of like, you know, building a product, getting into the VR, talking to investors, getting checks happening. Like you're, you're a part of, this is what I would call the montage scene. You know, there's just a clock ticker of how many people you had to meet. And then you just see the things going up and you're just like, you're, you know, you're doing the work. Um, right now about the day to days, um, which, uh, uh, is sexy and glamorous when you speed it up over 60 seconds and like the next couple of months of you doing the process, what would, um, right now, if, what would you say if there's any like investors listening, like what would be something that you think is something that's compelling for them to know about you and what you're working on? Yeah. I mean, even just, if you think of the market or what you and I, Dylan know, Mm -hmm. are like what ha has happened up to this point, even just in VR, let's say, mm -hmm. and what we know is coming. Like there's a lot of investors 
who don't realize that like the number of headsets that Meta is selling year over year is doubling. Like last year was 8 million, year before that it was four, the year before that it was two. And so you don't have to be a genius to just know like the power of compounding and over five years, if that were trend were to continue perfectly, there'd be half a billion headsets sold in aggregate over the next five years. Now, even if you have a more conservative estimate and you say, well, it's gonna be a quarter billion, whatever. It, like I feel like there's just, because everything, and you know, it, if we're in the bubble of talking to other VR people, other VR investors, other enthusiasts and believers, like we don't get this, you know, people, it's an echo chamber. So like, of course you and I believe, you know, VR is gonna be the next big thing, right? But you talk yeah. to like, you know, regular people who see everything is like mobile and everything is on, you know, the computer or desktop and whatever. And so they don't really see that, but like Facebook changing their name to Meta, you know, investing over $10 billion a year, Apple having a headset coming out they say sometime next year, who knows when it will come out. The hardware getting faster, cheaper, lighter, higher resolution. I mean, if you look at the improvements from the Rift to the Quest 1 to the Quest 2, it's like, oh my God, like it's getting so much better, faster and cheaper. So it's like a no brainer to me. It's almost like frustrating to the point where, you know, you know how it is. If you talk to a non VR or like an outsider about like your belief and enthusiasm, passion, they just don't get it. You're kind of like, you're missing it, dude. Like you're just not seeing like what's happening and what's coming. And you know, you don't know when, and there's lots of people been burned with timing, right? Like I've seen, it seemed like there was a lot of startups around like 2017 in the space, you know, and, and they maybe didn't go anywhere and like petered out. Um, so I don't know exactly when the timing is, but I feel like it's happening this decade, you know, if not this decade, next decade, but it's happening. And I want to be involved. I want to be part of it. And um, to not be is to sort of miss the next big, transformational technology shift in hardware that I believe people will be using. And even if for whatever reason, VR does not work out or fails, then it's probably AR, you know, it's kind of, it's not the same thing, but it's along the same lines of what you're doing, right? You're being in 3d space and having interactions with software in 3d space. It's more or less the same to me. So mm -hmm. um, I think people there's, I think most of most people are just not really, it's not on their radar. Probably the listeners to your podcast, though, it's probably very much on the radar. <laughs> they might have heard it a couple of times here. Uh, yeah. at, at the same time, though, it's it's worth being said because it's like people like try to go like, I'm going to knock it out of the park. But it's like it's just progress, man. Like just if you have a desire to get in this space, you've got to take a couple of steps. And I like, you know, decades ago, I was in the food business. Right. And I was like, no, I want to get in the VR space. Decade later, I'm here I am. But it's just one step, one movement, one action. And, you know, getting into the space, you don't know if right now, if you're working on um, Ultima Online or Slack, like you don't know what this, what the thing is, right? And it could evolve into the space, but, but you stepping into this new category where you're right, the number of the headsets are doubling, like Oculus, I, I, three years ago, the marketplace for Oculus store was zero. Now they've done a billion dollars of revenue. It was three years. Like <laughs> from zero to a billion, zero marketplace to all of a sudden, boom, right? And you have Pico headset getting involved. You've got the bite dance people. You've got all these, you see this thing happening that it's going to just, there's going to be a thing where someone's going to wake up and then all of a sudden, like everyone's going to have, it. it's going to be super common. And then, and so it, I, 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 you know, what I love about it is you're learning these skills that you can see how it's going to serve you because you're right. Obviously yes biased clearly i am i i will admit it i will i'm wearing i'm wearing an oculus one t-shirt from the first oculus the first Oculus conference so yes yes at the same time you know the magic of it you know the power of it i mean you right now you're creating software and you do things that serve people on a computer that you can shape and do things on there to give them an experience on the web 
But now you can do this in VR, which is that total immersive takeover, which is great. So who wouldn't want to be a part of it? There's going to be so many opportunities to be in the space. Um, so I do love yeah. the fact that you do world creation um, and you're focusing um, you know, on that on that sector um, because I think user-generated content is the place where everybody wants to be able to go. It's just how do you inspire that user to want to work on your platform versus other platforms? And that's kind of the big, I think, the big question. Yeah, I mean, I, I could talk at length about Deep, but the gist of it is, mm. is that it's inevitable that there will be an easy way for anyone to create their own world. It's just mm. going to happen. You know, in the 90s, you want to make a website, you have to learn HTML and web hosting, all this stuff. Nowadays, there's Wix and there's Squarespace and WordPress and Shopify. It's so easy. Like, I believe if my mom wanted to, she could probably figure out how to make a website, like probably without need needing to ask me a question. So I believe the same thing is true of uh, the metaverse and of VR. Right now, if you want to make a world um, in Altspace or VR Chat or a number of platforms, you have to be like a Unity C Sharp developer. Like, how will that be the future of the metaverse, right? How will there be a metaverse if there's not an easy way to make, you know, worlds in the metaverse? You need, you need that. So our thesis is basically that um, you have to have a like ridiculously easy way to build a world. You want to put a tree over there, you grab the tree, you put it there. There's no programming. There's no X axis, Y axis, Z axis, rotation. Axis, like none of this, right? It's just like absurdly simple so that really anyone can do it. And so that's our thesis. And so, um, you know, I, I just, I have, <laughs> sounds silly to have, that I have a feeling, but like, I just, it's, it's like self-evident to me. It's, it's so stupidly obvious to me it's weird that nobody is doing it. And there's other stuff happening in the space. So it's not true, right? There's startups I haven't heard about. There's startups I have heard about. There's uh, Horizon Worlds is doing cool stuff. Rec Room is doing cool stuff. So there's lots of stuff out there. But I feel like there's this huge hole of like, you know, you want to make like a quick little video um, to share with friends on TikTok. It's like super easy. You just like, boom, boom, boom. You made a video, you shared, it's done. Like we need the same thing to build worlds in the metaverse. Yeah. There's going to be, I don't, I don't believe that there's going to be like one Facebook metaverse. So there's going to be one that I think there's going to be like right now that the internet's fractal. And then there are ones that are, you know, there is a Walmart and a Google and a YouTube where a lot of people spend their times. But I think it's going to be even more fractal for a long time where people are, there's going to be all of these sub metaverses, right? They're just all these different applications. And some of them will be interoperable, some of them won't be. But there's going to be so many sub communities. I mean, so what you're doing is you're building this world creation tool. And I personally believe when you find a community of people that will resonate around a specific thing, um, like for example, like VR chat, um, um, one of the things that kicked off their community was um, there was, uh, you can make your own custom avatars. And there was another company who did these Japanese anime characters that were really high quality. And then they made them available and then you could just bring them in. And so everybody wanted to be a Japanese anime girl. Even the guys, they want to be it. And that's where they felt more comfortable in that skin. And that was a huge influx of people. And that was one of the things that kicked off their community of people um, was that kind of subsect. Was something that you can't, predict we're talking about the thousand hidden hands who would predict he's like i'm gonna make this i'm gonna do an sdk uh japanese anime girl things and we come in they're gonna make a whole thing available <laughs> just let everybody use it for free and they're gonna save thousands of dollars on these on these on these avatars that they can be able to bring in for free um wow so i uh and so i i i believe you know i believe that there's a whole bunch of these opportunities i can't predict what will be your japanese anime girl avatar <laughs> 
system. Um, but I'm sure it's I'm sure it's there, brother. Um, it, so what is for you ultimately is like the the holy grail, holy grail for you? Like, what's the flag in the top of the sand? What does that look like? I mean, I think it's to, you know, since you and I believe in VR, right? And it's easy to for us to believe in the metaverse. So as I see it as this thing that's coming and happening anyway, like once that happens, um, yeah, the, the success for us is really um, having this infinite, this, this abundance of all of these worlds, like any world you can imagine, right? It really opens up every single possible, everything that's actually possible. And so if you have that, and then if you have all, of, there's just so much to discover. It's like going into a library you know, as a kid, I'd go to the public library at some point when I was older when I was in high school. And I just sort of started really enjoying just like, there's so many books. I want to read them all. I want to know them all. I've always, always had this like desire to, to know things and that curiosity. So I think having, you know, YouTube, right? Like my dad got into YouTube like a week ago and he's just like, won't stop watching YouTube. He's watching like wood carving and these things that he's into. So I don't know. I just, I have this, uh, this vision of like all of these possibilities, all of these interesting worlds build whatever you want go wherever you want and that's like really exciting for me that's the vision that makes me feel like wow you know we built this really amazing opportunity for people to have experiences and ultimately it comes down to experiences right it's like you're going to a place doing a thing seeing a thing it's like traveling why do people love to travel it's like an experience you're going to a new place having a new moment having a different sort of interaction um gosh there's just so much possibility it excites me it overwhelms me like what are we gonna do? We can do so much. How do we do it all? <laughs> and a, that's one of the biggest problems with VR is like we could do anything. What do you mean? Anything? Like, too much. Too much. Give me a give me a sandbox to play in. There's too much to do here. You know. But but it's but it's beautiful. It's it's you know double-edged sword of creativity. You know. Um, so uh, if that is the holy grail for you, right? What you're looking to do, which I think is beautiful. What's the dragon? What's the thing that's so difficult for you that you might need to you know? transform in order to overcome the dragon? Uh, gosh, there's so many ways to talk about this. I mean, on a personal level, I might have to let go of some um, beliefs or, you know, what how I think it will play out versus, you know, you mentioned that great example of the Japanese anime girl, right? It, yeah. You know, there's like, it's like idiosyncratic things. So part of it is like trying to make sure um, my ego, right, uh, is, you know, kind of just, oh, allowing myself to be wrong about certain things uh, or to be educated about um, how things could be. And also being really subservient to what users want. It's really weird to have a vision, but then users keep telling you this other thing. Like a perfect example is games. Like I'm not a gamer, but a lot of users kind of want games. They want to play, they want to have fun, they want entertainment. And so I have this like natural resistance, like, well, what we're building is not a game, man. It's, you know, it's a world building, you know, it's more of like a utility like that. but at some point I have to relent or just figure out how to marry those two and have them uh, sort of seamlessly merge because um, on the one hand, I don't, uh, I, I don't want to be on the path of deep is a game. You know, you go in to play a game, right? I think there's just so much more possible and there's plenty of games out there. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's sort of that, that bit of flexibility uh, and just also patience, right? Like mm -hmm. I said, super, high expectations for myself and then have to, you know, uh, reconcile with those and say, okay, what am I not learning here? What am I not seeing here? What do I have to be listening to, to improve? And that's again, just part of this journey, you know, and that's the fun of it. I love it. And yeah, I love that statement there at the end is, is when, you know, the, the, you know, I think every quest starts with a question and the, the, what am I, 
what am I not seeing? What am I not doing? What do I need to learn to overcome this? You know, that, that frame, that quote, that, that, you know, that message right there is actually really powerful for people not to say I can't, or I won't, or it's too hard, or it's not fair or easy for him or whatever it might be. But that kind of question of like, okay, I'm not making progress. Obviously it's on me to the point to where, what am I not seeing? What am I not doing? What do I need to learn to get to where I need to go? Which I think is beautiful. Um, so thank you for uh, sharing that. I thought that was uh, that was beautiful. Um, is there is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how to get a hold of you? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I guess the general sort of um, to summarize, you know, it's it's a weird mix of if you believe in yourself, you can do anything. But then, you know, uh, coming against the reality of like what actually re results you can produce. And what is the feedback that you get from that? And then how do you take that? Do you take that as lessons to be learned? Or do you take that as information that that path is not working out for you? And then you change paths. So um, it's a weird thing. Like, you know, if you believe in yourself, you could do anything. Well, like, yes and no. Right. But there, you ha that's like a starting point. Like you have to have that to begin with. Um, yeah. But maybe you can't do anything like, you know, my career, I started off trying to be a rock star. Like that didn't work out, right? But you know, when those those uh, one door closes, another one opens, and so yeah. um, you know, persisting through and, and and learning those lessons, yeah, you could good things can happen. I do. I love it. Um, yeah, it's like everything can happen within reason. I'm probably not going to be a part of the NBA anytime soon. Sorry, yeah. Can't. Give, me, give me a couple phone books to work with. We'll be good. Um, but. Uh, yeah, totally. That is beautiful. And uh, if people want to find out more about you or get a hold of you or find out more about Deep, how do they do that? Yeah. Um, you know, feel free to add me on LinkedIn. So you see my name in the podcast. Um, you know, our website, our domain is deepworld, singular.io. Uh, if you want to shoot me an email, it's tom at deepworld, singular.io. But if you want to connect on LinkedIn, it's probably the best way. Or you can look us up in App Lab. People know where to, where to find uh where to find us. If you Google us, it's hard to find us because there's a couple of other VR apps with deep in the name. And so, and it's funny, I'm an SEO guy. I spent no time doing SEO for our own website. So if you search for us like on Google, like, yeah. sorry, you're just, I haven't put any time yeah. into that. Please sorry. rate this guy in Yelp if you can. We need some feedback <laughs> for this guy. So, yeah. Uh, exactly. <laughs> All right, Tom, thank you so much for your time, brother. Have a blessed and beautiful day, my friend. I will see you on the other side. Thanks so much, Dylan. Appreciate it. Take care now. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.